Welcome. You've tuned in to Living the Miracle with hosts Michael and Raphael Tamura. You are meant to live a joy-filled life, and you most certainly can. In this program, you will learn simple yet powerful psychic tools to help you fulfill your soul's purpose in this world. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Tamura and Raphael Tamura. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show, Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. I am Raphael. And I'm Michael. The purpose for our show is to awaken souls, develop intuition, and fulfill purpose. Well, today we're starting not only the 13th season of our show, but also the fourth year of our Living the Miracle radio show. We're really happy about this. This season will center each show around the fact that you are a psychic being. So for our 155th episode title, we borrowed from the first line of Elizabeth Barrett Browning's beloved sonnet, number 43, from her Sonnets from the Portuguese, How Do I Love Thee? Let Me Count the Ways. We came up with, how are you, how are you a psychic being? Let me count the ways. You've probably heard pretty much every psychic proclaim that everyone is psychic to some degree or another. That's because that's the way it is, whether anyone likes it or not. You've heard us repeat often that the term psychic simply means of or pertaining to the soul. Whether you believe that you are psychic or even a soul, you can't deny that you are. That you are means that you are being. You are that which is. To talk about you as being, we end up saying things like, you are a spiritual being, or you are a human being. We're trying to describe what kind of energy, what kind of being you are. Of course, energy is part of it. Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, the French Jesuit priest, paleontologist, theologian, and teacher in the first half of the 20th century wrote, you are not a human being in search of a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being immersed in a human experience. That takes an enlightened soul to be able to see that. He summed it up as well as anyone could. It's you as spirit that is incarnated or immersed in a human experience. When we need to talk about each of us as a different being from each other, we end up saying that we are each a spiritual being. You could say that the limitless one spirit is expressing itself as many different spiritual beings in this world having the human experience. When we look at each other as separate in this manner, we come up with the term soul to mean the essential, immortal, spiritual being that we are. And that makes the term, the terms soul and psychic pretty much interchangeable. So you are a soul, which means you are a psychic being. Up to now, we're talking semantics and dealing with just words. If you say... If you stay there exploring any of this 
Merely intellectually, you don't get any further than semantics. To actually know yourself as spirit or as a soul, you have to drop to the intellect you have to drop the intellectual pursuit and access your innate intuitive awareness and abilities and directly experience that which you are and how you are and the purpose for you as spirit being immersed in the human experience here on earth. That is a big part of the global awakening process we are all going through, making that proverbial leap of faith and certainly in spirit by dropping our dependency on our intellectuality for survival in favor of reclaiming our freedom as limitless souls having our human experiences. To accomplish this, the psychic or soul aspects of our lives have generally been coming more into the foreground of our awareness and of our lives. It's just a natural part of the evolutionary process of humanity. And by the way, you need to be kind of patient with those who are a little behind where you are with these. So you are a psychic being and have always been a psychic being. Now, more and more, you are becoming aware of what that really means, as well as in what ways you are a psychic being and not a body. That's where it becomes so important for you to be aware of your natural psychic awareness and abilities and how they play out in your everyday life. Michael, speaking of you, that you are definitely a psychic being. When did you come to the realization and what made you have certainty in your being spirit and a psychic being? Hmm. (laughs) Well, you know, having grown up in Japan and also having my school education in an American school on a military base there, rather than going to a traditional Japanese school and having that formal Japanese education, my primary language was American English. I don't I spoke uh, Japanese first at home and everything, and with all the Japanese people around where I lived. But I never officially studied Japanese in school as far as reading and writing were concerned. So over time, I taught myself to write and read grade school level Japanese, but didn't gain enough command of vocabulary or grammar beyond that used in normal everyday conversation. And psychic was definitely not in my normal everyday conversation in, in Japanese or, or in English until I was about 20 years old and living in San Francisco. So I never even thought of the word psychic in any way until I came across that word in the title of a very cheesy, small, <laughs> little, you know, bigger than a pamphlet, smaller than a book, paperback book on the 50 cents a book cart in front of a secondhand bookstore in San Francisco. I was just walking around and it caught my eye because it was, oh, the cover was so grotesque. (laughs) It was glaring yellow and black and industrial print. And the title was something like, How to Develop Your Psychic Powers. (laughs) Very, uh, you know, Generic. Not, not something, yeah, very <laughs> generic. I, I didn't, it's not something that I was interested in. But something told me <laughs> to pick it up and thumb through it. And when I did, 
Well, the inside, the content was just as cheesy on the inside as the cover was, but a couple of pages I read, you know, certain things just popped up and, and it was a little bit interesting, like how to move objects with your mind and another couple of pages on meditating. You know, those, those were uh, interesting topics. The writing was much to be desired, but but who knows? Yeah, I, I was just curious for the time. So I paid my 50 cents for it and took it home and read it. Well, looking back at my introduction to the word and concept of psychic and psychic powers or abilities at that time, I know it was one of my spirit guides that got me to read that book. I didn't know that at the time, but looking back at it, and it wasn't about the contents or how you know, accurate or real or whatever it was, but to get me thinking about the idea of being psychic and having psychic abilities and interests. I was definitely not thrilled by the book after reading it, but it got me thinking about that psychic stuff, what it meant to be psychic and to have psychic abilities. Everything in the book, as far as the subjects were concerned, like reincarnation, Another word I never heard before, telekinesis. I didn't know that word either. None of these psychically oriented metaphysical words I I was familiar with. Uh, Psychometry, uh, meditation, that, that I knew, psychic energy. And so all those kinds of words were completely new. And, but the experiences were completely familiar to me. Even though I didn't know the words that represented those experiences, I knew the experiences. I've had so many experiences that these words describe. I always say that my greatest psychic ability is that of retrocognition. (laughs) (laughs) That's the ability to clearly see and know what already happened to you before. (laughs) Usually about 20 years after going through some major experience, I can see it clearly and connect the dots and understand what really happened and why. (laughs) I've always thought that was, you know, uh, that's what I do. (laughs) So it's, it's not like everybody's idea of what a psychic is, you know, you can see the future and all that kind of stuff. Well, I joke about that, but I see that it's true for all of us. A lot of people end up believing that they're not psychic because they didn't see an event or experience it before it happened. Many people associate, especially the ability of clairvoyance with precognition or seeing and knowing the future. But for me, Being able to see the truth of a past experience is what allows us to develop wisdom. So it's far more important than being able to know the future. For us as immortal souls, what we learn here in our human experience and distilling our life experiences into wisdom are far more beneficial than pretty much any dramatic use of any other psychic or innate soul ability. That learning plays a huge part 
in our psychic ability to heal ourselves and others toward our wholeness and freedom, which is the other most essential psychic ability, healing, right? Mm -hmm. So when I start to know the word psychic and reflected upon my immediate interest in psychic awareness, meditation, and abilities, I was completely aware that I've been psychic all of my life. I just didn't know that's what my experience was called. To me, it was an everyday normal thing to pick up on others' feelings. I almost always knew what the person I was with was feeling at the time. Sometimes I would know what they were feeling more than they did, which was problematic a lot of times. (laughs) That ability, I later learned, was specifically called clairsentience. So, again, I didn't know what it was called, but I experienced it all the time. I also picked up on others' thoughts a lot and regularly. Sometimes I had a hard time studying, like in school, when others around me were thinking too hard. (laughs) And not only thinking hard, but broadcasting their hard thoughts (laughs) telepathically. It got too noisy in my head, right? It wasn't noisy in the class. The teacher would make sure nobody talked out of turn or anything, made noise. But physically, it was quiet. Telepathically, it was very noisy. Of course, I didn't know the word telepathy either. Just because we don't know the word or label for something doesn't mean we don't have the direct experience of what that word stands for. It's like recognizing a person you never physically met as soon as you see him, right? You don't know what his name is, but you already know a lot about this person from experience. You just, anything from you just have a feeling, you just know, you just recognize, you know, you see it, you hear it, all kinds of different ways on a psychic level. This person is very familiar. In fact, sometimes you might even feel like, oh, hey, you're, you're getting to see your friend again, right? Other times it's like, whoa, don't want to be around this person. <laughs> Instantly, you don't know anything technically, you know, intellectually about this person, but, and they look fine and they're acting fine, but you just don't want to have anything to do with that person. Hmm, how do you know? <laughs> In fact, everyone you know when you first met them, you had varying degrees of recognition and comfort or discomfort with them. You're a psychic being, and so are they. You both are experiencing each other on a psychic level or a soul level, and you have varying degrees of recognition, just like you do with people on the physical level of knowing say, your longtime best friend a lot more than you might know your workmate for the past two months. But you might have experienced that it's rather rare for you to have a complete blank slate experientially when you first meet someone. There's always something there you recognize. We may pass by a soul we've had nothing ever to do with on the streets, but it's rare that we become involved in any real way with a complete stranger on a soul level yeah we've known such souls in prior incarnations to varying degrees as we looked at throughout our last season of shows on some of the varying aspects of 
your psychic communication, we're aware on a psychic level all of the time, even when we're sleeping. And a little sidelight there is, is that's why so many people are having sleep problems these days, because though their body's trying to sleep, they're picking up on a psychic level. And the world goes on 24-7, and people are always texting you, messaging you, emailing you, posting you, posting about you or whatever all the time while you're sleeping or trying to sleep. (laughs) Well, the only question is how much of the awareness are we willing to let ourselves have at any given moment? The more we get to a place of enjoying things being just as they are, the more aware we can be psychically. Otherwise, we would get even more stressed out if we allowed ourselves to be aware of things we absolutely can't stand and will not let them be as they are even for a second. To develop your psychic or conscious awareness in your psychic being, you have to learn to be neutral. But being neutral to everything doesn't mean you don't care or you don't do anything about anything. It just means that you're aware and detached from that which you are aware of. Being neutral, you then can see clearly what can or needs to be done about whatever it is. We're coming up upon our first break already, and we invite you to join us for our next teleclass this coming Saturday, February 6th, 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time. This one is on transforming your energy space to celebrate every aspect of your life, and it is part of our You Might Be Psychic, More Psychic, You Might Be More Psychic Than You Think series. I could get that out. After all, life is a celebration. In this teleclass, you'll learn how to do psychic energy work. You can apply to any aspect of your life to help you celebrate the life you are living. For all the details and to sign up, go to our February events calendar section at micheltamura.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-T-A-M-U-R-A, micheltamura.com, or call our office and speak with our wonderful assistant, Noel at 530-926-2650 during normal business hours Pacific time, Monday to Friday. We will be right back to continue with How Are You a Psychic Being? Let Me Count the Ways. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you love Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at MichaelTamora.com forward slash events. The best book ever. Transformational. Incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. Inspirational. A must read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer. The award-winning book by Michael J. Tamora, beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. 
Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at michaeltamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Welcome back, everyone. For those of you joining us now, we've been exploring the various ways you are a psychic being. So let us continue. One of the ways I like to think of you being a psychic being is you being very sensitive. Some people think sensitivity is um, a disadvantage. It's actually one of your powers. Yeah, well, when, you know, Raphael was introducing this episode and the title for it being a little bit of a play on Elizabeth Barrett Browning's famed first line of her love sonnet when she wrote, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. She was deeply and lovingly appreciating the ways in which she loved her later to become husband, poet, Robert Browning, right? So she wrote that. uh, I think she wrote the whole song of the Portuguese, the sonnets of the Portuguese uh, during their courtship and stuff. Well, she gives her answer to that first line question, you know, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. She gives her answer in the rest of her sonnet, quote, I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight for the ends of being and ideal grace. I love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need by sun and candlelight. I love thee freely as men strive for right. I love thee purely as they strive turn from praise. I love thee with the passion put to use in my old griefs and with my childhood's faith. I love thee with a love I seem to lose with my lost saints. I love thee with the breath Smiles, tears of all my life. And if God choose, I shall but love thee better after death. Elizabeth Barrett Browning was a psychic being. <laughs> Definitely. It's, it's right there in many of her poetry. She expresses her psychic, psychicness in so many ways. She's loving her partner in this particular situation. She's loving her partner with her soul. Uh Uh-huh, psychic, yeah? That is beyond earthly limits. Yet she is loving in the most everyday ways. And even if she lost the faith of her childhood innocence, and along with her faith and religious dogma, ah, she still can love because she's a limitless psychic being who will continue to be in love after the body is no longer. 
At least, you know, that's what I get out of that verse. (laughs) I actually love that part of it. Yeah. It's quite the journey of getting to know your true self. How do you know your true self? How do you know yourself as the soul that you are, as the psychic me? Well, we'll let you count the ways. (laughs) That's the purpose of meditation, isn't it? To intuitively know your true self. But how can any of us seek to know ourselves more if we didn't love who we truly are? If we believe that we are not worthy of love, ours or anyone else's or or even God's, would we even be interested in finding out all that we are? You know, when I pick up a book and read a few lines here and there, Raphael has a hard time because I tend to, you know, read the last page first. <laughs> I, I generally don't do that with novels, I, just with nonfiction books. But when, when we pick up a book and do that, you know, scan through a little bit and look at the table contents or read the first couple lines or whatever, we're checking it out to see if we're interested enough in investing our time and energy and money into reading the whole book, Right. It's only if you find that you love what you have read enough that you might pursue reading the rest of the book. Otherwise, why would you even bother, you know, buying the book and and taking the trouble of reading it? How do you love what you read? Well, let us count the ways. (laughs) You might have loved the way the author wrote or the subject matter of the book was of great interest to you. Or you love what little you read about one of the characters. Or you might love the setting that the book begins in. Or the time period in history that serves as the drop, you know, the backdrop for that story. Yeah, all those things I I look for in, in a book. Sometimes I've picked up a printed book and loved the paper and the typeface that the book was printed. (laughs) And I'm going, wow, this is a really nice font. (laughs) Uh, I've done typesetting in my life. (laughs) Sometimes I'd sample an audio book and instantly loved the way the reader read the book that made me decide I got to try this out. So it could be anything, but you got to love something enough in the book before you're going to try it out. The same is with you pursuing getting to know your psychic beingness or self. How many ways do you love who you are or even might be? You know, let's find out. I think I love you. Let's find out. (laughs) Right? Are you willing to commit yourself? And invest time and energy to reading the book of your life? Or do you already have a preconceived idea of how uninteresting you are? (laughs) Or how uneventful of a life you've had so far? And you put yourself back on the bookshelf of selves. (laughs) Maybe it's not on the bookshelf, it's on the bookshelf. Bookshelf. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just like that silly little 50 cents I used, you know, the used book that I bought 
open my eyes to relook at myself as a psychic being, what do you need to get much more interested in discovering the truth of your psychic beingness and your immortality and limitlessness? You know, I'd, I'd say that those are fascinating topics. Even if you're not sure you love yourself or you're worthy of any love, the fact that you might just be a psychic being that's immortal and limitless, just possibly. Wouldn't that pique your interest enough to check it out? If you're focused on what you might be lacking in yourself or in your life, then you won't commit to pursuing the truth of your beingness. But if you find that the many ways in which you might love the real you, if you can get to that, you wouldn't hesitate to pick up your book of life and read it to find out everything you can about you. Isn't that what you do when you fall in love with someone? You just want to know everything about that person. Ah, yeah, that's what you need for meditating. This is a major challenge for people on the path of rediscovering their psychic soul self. With each step you take inward and upward, you begin to uncover the lies that you've allowed in the past to obscure the light that you truly are. Those lies were meant to hide how ugly or bad or wrong or stupid or hateful or guilty you believed you were at one time or another. Yet they're just lies, hiding deeper, bigger lies. Always remember that invalidation of you in any way, shape, or form is never, ever true. You don't have to be psychic to know that is the truth. Invalidation that you are not, not whatever, is always made up in the mind by someone who fails to know the truth. It's not part of creation. Judgment is always made up from fear. And fear always comes from ignorance and unconsciousness. You are a psychic being. And you need to validate yourself as the spiritual being that you are to discover in what ways you are psychic or a soul. How do you really love yourself? Don't just count the ways. Experience the truth of who and how you are. Well, Raphael, you've taught beginners for years and years uh, earlier on in your life who were just starting to discover themselves as psychic and psychic beings. Would you share with our listener what are some of the things that helped your students be able to validate and realize how psychic they really were? Yeah, sure. Glad to do it. One of the things was that um, I love to validate people right at the beginning because they were in a psychic institute taking a psychic class for me. And that's a big step because some people can't even get past the word psychic. It has a lot of negative connotations to it from the past. You know, your psychic 
reader on the corner who's going to rip you off for for fifty thousand dollars and all that. Kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but um, people made it through the energy to actually attend a class like that. Um, and many of the people that would come into my classes would be still pretty skeptical, and I was perfectly okay with that because I understood, and I understand even now, as the teacher that I am, that everyone is psychic, whether they're aware of it or not. You all use your psychic abilities almost all of the time. One of the examples I like to give to people when I was teaching the very beginning introduction and telling people, you are psychic even if you, even if you think you have no abilities. For instance, uh, well, back then it was just phone calls. We didn't have cell, po- cell phones in our pockets. So I would say something like, when, some, when your phone rings, a lot of times you know who it is. It's like, oh, that ring sounds just like so-and-so. And it would be that person. Or you knew something that was going to be in your mailbox today. You just knew it. Or my favorite one was something that happened to me quite a few times, which was when working for a boss and you needed to talk to your boss about something really important. And you go to the boss's office um, and the door is closed and you go to knock on the door and something tells you maybe this isn't a good time to knock on that door right now. And if you don't listen to that intuitive hit, it's going to be not a very good experience. And most everybody could relate to this, that you get intuitive hits all the time and sometimes you listen and sometimes you don't. And most people who are extra sensitive or extra psychic um, tend to get those hits more often and listen to them. So... It was my job as a beginning meditation teacher to get people to pay attention. I remember one time when my own mother asked me, after I had been teaching in in the institute for many years, well, how do you start? And I thought for a few minutes, and my answer was really simple. Pay attention. You know, con men and con women will pay (laughs) attention to your body language, But most con men and con women are also very psychic because they pick up the psychic part of it, too. They just don't really realize it. So, of course, we're not making people into psychic con people. It's just being aware that you are tuned into one another. You're tuned into the life you're in. And if you're a person who's not in your body that much, you're not going to have as many psychic experiences, but you might have some pretty interesting out-of-body experiences such as you get in your car, you drive for a few miles, you get on the freeway, and next thing you know, you've already passed your uh, exit ramp and you don't remember the drive from the time you got on the freeway. That's the out-of-body experience. But that in and of itself is a psychic experience. So, you know, starting to pay attention to these things. And, of course, um, one of the things that I would do is teach people psychic tools to handle some of those things like getting out of the body and and not really knowing what's going on around them until, you know, half an hour later or something like that. It's kind of scary. A lot of people out there on the road are driving out of the body and their, their bodies are on a little bit automatic. And sometimes that's why accidents happen. So a lot of... 
a lot of your experience with beginners just getting interested in finding out whether they're psychic or not, a lot of times they weren't aware that that the psychic abilities they were having all the time were problematic for them. Yes. Yeah, more than they had to learn how to use it correctly so that it would be beneficial instead of problematic. Yeah. Well, I had one person who um, described to me how they got straight A's on in their college years. And that was, he said, um, he didn't like studying. So what he would do is he would get inside his teacher's head and <laughs> ask, the, ask for the answers of the test. And he would get 100% every time. Now, that's a really negative use of your psychic abilities. And what you get out of that is absolutely nothing because you're, you haven't learned anything if that's how you're getting through school. So, you know, it's there's many uses of psychic abilities and part of bringing up your spiritual awareness part of this is to be able to use it correctly. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, people people uh, uh, find out you're psychic in some way, shape or form. And the first thing they oh, what's going to be the lotto numbers or, yeah. you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Or <laughs> and, you know, that that's. You can know those things. You can see those things and everything. But but uh, what purpose do they serve? Well, for some people, it might serve the purpose of making a lot of money real fast. <laughs> but it's, ah, uh, we get to a place where we start to realize, oh, yeah, it's about spirit. And that has nothing to do with spirit. Yeah, that's right. That has something to do with greed and cheating your way through life. Well, we have our second break coming up, so it's a good time to save these dates. Saturday, February 27th and Sunday, February 28th, we invite you to join us for an extraordinary four teleclass remote weekend event titled Your Mediumship, Clairvoyance, and the Global Awakening. Included with this remote weekend will also be our popular bonus Zoom Q&A and social following the last teleclass, which is held on Maestro Conference on the phone. On Sunday, for anyone who attends one or more of the teleclasses over the weekend, here are the topics for the teleclasses on Saturday. Like it or not, you got mediumship. Managing mediumship, yours and others, in the global transformation. The afternoon class is titled, Are You In or Out? Your Mediumship, Clairvoyance, and the Out-of-Body Experience. And for the teleclasses on Sunday, what's mediumship got to do with it? How mediumship affects your relationship and what to do about it. The afternoon class on the path of the clairvoyant medium healer, how to have fun waking up the world and not get crucified. For all the details, go to sign up on our website, michaeltamora.com, or better yet, call our office and speak to Noel during uh, regular business hours specific time at 530-926-2650. In just a bit, we'll return to... How are you a psychic being? Let us count the ways. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at michaeltamura.com. 
And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. The best book ever. Transformational. Incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. Inspirational. A must read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer. The award winning book by Michael J. Tamora, beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. If you love living the miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at michaeltamora.com forward slash events. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. It's nice to have you back. We've been addressing in what ways you are psychic being. So let us continue to look at the different ways that we are that make us that make us all psychic. One of the things I was mentioning before is I like to interchange um, sensitivity, paying attention, and psychic as really all one and the same. Yeah, you know, a lot of times there's two parts of starting to recognize. Not only that you're psychic, that you're a psychic being, you're a being, right? For you got to recognize you are beingness. You are. And, and what kind of being? Well, you're a psychic being. You're a spiritual being, which means a soul. It's another word for it. And how do you recognize it when either the thing that brings about the recognition of it more and more have been either problematic for you <laughs> or it's so common and so every day you don't think of it as anything other than you're just a normal person. Well, the funny thing is, yes, if you're a normal person, you're psychic. <laughs> well, if you're not a normal person, you're still psychic too. <laughs> you, can't, you can't get away from that part because you are a spiritual being here Immersed in that human experience, you're incarnated here in this world, experiencing everything as this person you are. So usually the beginnings of the recognition that you're way more than a body person and way more than just an intellectual person is psychic abilities and psychic awareness. But once you hear the word psychic, because it's been so made into, okay, a psychic is a person with a special gift. It is a gift, but it's a gift that everyone has. Like Raphael said, one of her best first step is pay attention, right? Because if you pay attention, you start to recognize, oh, not only is this a gift, 
because it's giving something valuable to me. It's, it's, a, it's a gift that's given to every one of us. It's just like, you know, you give the same gift to 100 people. Some of them will write you these amazing heartfelt uh, uh, letters of appreciation, thank you cards, all that stuff. And you can tell they so appreciate it and use it. And then others, they probably just threw it into the trash or, or threw it on a shelf somewhere never to be seen again. <laughs> or some just said, oh, this is nice, but I, I can't use it and gave it away to somebody else who could. So everybody does different things with gifts given to them. And the same goes with psychic gifts, psychic and spiritual gifts that are innate to us. We have them. They were given to us right from the very beginning of life, if you will. Not just birth, but just our beingness. It's, it's what, what, what do they call it in uh, cars where it's, it comes standard? Mm-hmm. <laughs> standard equipment. <laughs> it's not an add-on. <laughs> so it's a gift that comes standard with you. And so then, it's so natural to assume, yeah, well, this is, I've always been this way. Until I learned the word psychic, and this book was making some kind of a bigger deal about, you know, being psychic and developing your psychic powers and stuff. I never thought about those things. I, I've been interested. I, I knew I could do certain things that I couldn't just bring off, but I knew I can do it. I didn't know how. But um, once I learned the word, then I thought, oh yeah, this is psychic, and this is psychic, and this is psychic, and this is psychic. So many things in my life were of a psychic nature. In fact, as I continued my process, I realized, oh, the psychic part was most important. It's foremost in my awareness most of the time. So that's one thing. It's the commonness. Let's use example of telekinesis. A lot of people don't know that word, but but now more and more people know it because for years, you know, people like Yuri Geller would be talking about bending forks and spoons with, with their mind. And that's, yes, that's one example of telekinesis. Just one example. There's lots of examples of telekinesis, but when it when it's on TV, when it's made a big deal, and it's something very, you know, very few people, you know, probably <laughs> can do that. <laughs> At least consciously. Uh, yeah. And so, so then you start thinking of telekinesis as this very special psychic ability that only, you know, rare individuals who have a supreme gift can do that. <laughs> but it's not. It's just that it's not been developed very much on a uh, thing like that where you can just on command, you know, uh, uh, bend metal and things like that by your mind. But when I was a kid, I knew I ought to be able to mentally move the candlestick with a candle in it across the table. And I tried and tried. And I said, why isn't that moving? And so once in a while, I just go, didn't that move a little bit? <laughs> it didn't. But as I grew up, I thought, maybe I'm 
you know, I'm still thinking in terms of the candlestick is kind of heavy. And, and in a physical sense, oh, to move a heavy object with your body takes more muscle, takes more effort and everything. So I thought you had to put more effort in. And, and the heavier the object, the harder it was to move it. That's, that was, you know, my belief. And so then I thought, well, if I use something lighter, maybe it'll be easier to move it. So I tried all kinds of things. And finally, I put, I, I figured out I can put a piece of, little tiny piece of tissue paper, float it on a bowl of water for, before it sank down, it, it would flow for a little while. And I put it in there and I stopped any kind of, closed all the windows, doors, everything, no wind. And I didn't breathe hard and waited until it was very, very still. Then I just, from about two feet away, I'd stare at the little piece of tissue paper and try to mentally imagine it moving around. And finally it started to move around. Yeah, it wasn't consistent, but when I did a certain thing, it would work. And then other times it wouldn't work. I didn't figure out at that time what made it work and what didn't make it work, but I knew it's possible because it happened. Then I tried all different kinds of things. I hung little, cleaned up uh, little sea urchin shells from my, my ceiling <laughs> with a thread. And I, I collected those from diving and stuff. And uh, then I'd lie down on the floor underneath it and mentally make it swing back and forth, go in circles, go in the opposite directions and things like that. And I got pretty good at that. So I knew this telekinesis thing actually, you know, works. And, and I knew everybody can do it. We just need to learn to do it and practice it just like anything else. A lot of people type, but you have to learn to type. And so then, but telekinesis isn't just about those kinds of, in a sense, parlor tricks. One day I was at the grocery store and I was carrying way too much in my arms and they weren't in, you know, containers and things. Well, some of them were boxes and some of them were bags. And I just was carrying a bunch of stuff in my arms without a cart. And it was stacked up pretty high. And then the thing, the tower <laughs> of produce and whatnot started to become the leaning tower of pizza. And, and I'm going, oh, oh, no, no, it's falling. And it's, it's you, know, you know, that point of no return where it's just not going to stay up. But I just stopped and I put my whole attention on writing it straight up again. And, oh, lo and behold. It didn't fall. And I was able to get it to a place where I can set it down. I thought, hmm, that was interesting. And then I start paying, again, like Raphael said, I start paying attention to that phenomena. Not just in myself, but other people. I've seen other people just even, even out loud go, no, and then the thing doesn't keel over, right? Uh, so things that look like it's supposed to fall over, but it doesn't. 
telekinesis. Sometimes we grab those abilities within ourselves in emergency situations that happen with me in watching an old woman almost mm. fall yep. off the side of a, a, a little hill. It was a little hill, you know, like 10 feet high, and she and her friend were walking down it, and I was about 20 feet away, and the woman slipped and was heading face first into the ground, and I put up my hand was almost instinctively, and I just said out loud, no, like that. And I watched her just freeze in midair. And then I had to wave to her friend to grab her arm so she wouldn't fall, and she did. But they were so frightened by this experience that um, when I came, walked by them, because I was going to go up the same little hill, they looked away and didn't say anything to me. But I, I was paying enough attention to see that what actually happened. Yeah, so, and also, you know, on a completely different level, I discovered I use my telekinesis in cooking. Oh, yeah. It changes the molecular vibration. And, and that's why, you know, you'll notice... One person, two people cook the same exact recipe with the same produce and same everything, and one tastes incredibly better than the other. That's right. And that's, that's more an energy. It's healing. an energy thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's the telekinetic uh, levels, too. And one of the uh, messages I wanted to get to you really quickly before we wrap this up is those of you with natural abilities who are afraid, please do not throw away your abilities and waste them. Seek out. Mm -hmm. education on how to use them correctly. You know, you don't want to use your psychic abilities in a way that's going to create karma for you. But the other is that um, you may think it's not a gift, but it is. And you will be very happy if you do seek out more information about it. Well, once again, we've come to the end of our show. We certainly appreciate each and every one of you tuning into it and joining us for this wonderful adventure. Be sure to join us next Wednesday when we'll put a different twist on the somewhat awkward subject. Science teachers often are required to teach in public schools. Your health and hygiene, of course, will present that subject as your psychic hygiene and your health. Remember, too, to join us on Saturday, February 6th, this Saturday, 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time, transforming your energy space to celebrate every aspect of your life. Check our website or call our office at 530-926-2650 for details or to sign up. Until then, be inspired, use your imagination, and follow your intuition joyfully. This is Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora and... We will see you next week. We look forward to it. We appreciate your joining us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again next week, remember to wake up to who you are. It's your purpose here on Earth.